Alrighty. Welcome everybody to episode 87 of the Racing Line pod. I just joined with Joey again tonight. Anthony's uh, still MIA, missing missing in action. But uh, Joey, not a lot of racing going on lately, mate, but how are you? I'm good, mate. I'm good. Not a lot if you're looking at what we're usually watching. Mm. But when we broaden our horizons, there's been a few interesting happenings over the last, or well, the last weekend, some stuff that we were... Um, I was cautiously optimistic with and uh, interested in just seeing how our two Aussie boys did in the States this weekend. And we're we claiming, we claiming SVG like we claim Russell Crowe. Is that what we're doing? We're not claiming him because he's a Kiwi and I would never pretend that he's an Aussie, but <laughs> it's not like he's driving in the um, Supercars New Zealand series. <laughs> so we will, we will claim his, um, his talent for for this for this pod, um, right I that. think. I mean, I don't know about. I know you weren't as interested in it as me, but in terms of what happened in um in uh, the streets of Chicago a couple of weeks ago when he got his maiden NASCAR win on on his debut, mm. I think a lot of fans, Australia, and in the states as well, were interested in what he could do when the uh, when the tables were probably a little bit more even in terms of the strength of the NASCAR grid and, and going to a place where the other teams knew and where, and where he was sort of a fish out uh, is it fish out of water is that the right saying mm. yeah um, and we got we got some answers to those questions this weekend I think so for those of you who don't know SVG uh, did two NASCAR races this week one in the in the truck on a small oval and then one at the Indianapolis motor speedway, uh, road course, two very different tracks, two very different vehicles. Um, and two probably very different results as well, I would say. And in the, um, in the cup car race this morning, he was also joined by fellow supercars, uh, alum Brody Kostecki, which, uh, who qualified probably, just as surprisingly well, and then was hampered by um, a practice crash, which made him have to start from the rear of the grid. Uh, SVG finished 10th and was running 8th, 9th, 10th, pretty much the whole race. And Brody started last, so probably like 38th, and raced up to about 14th before sort of throwing caution to the wind with a bit of an aggressive strategy, and then ended up finishing 22nd. Um, so off the, off the rip, I think a lot of people might be a little bit underwhelmed without sort of having watched the race of the results that were displayed this weekend. But I think with a little bit of digging and, and, and just a bit of context, the results, I think, speak really well for, you know, what our drivers did. And I think yeah, one like, thing that... I think, I think SVG's initial performance was like exceeded expectations like by a lot and we, we can't expect him to do that every week no i think i think it, I, oh. the expectations that were reset after that result were probably unrealistic having said that like going forward this is over the last what is it, two, three weeks now, there has definitely been a shift in the story as in he is now very much looking to pursue this 
um, as of the beginning of next year. So also then the goalposts for what success is measured or how success is measured is, is definitely going to change. Um, yep. And I think sort of this race sort of was a bit more of a in-depth look of what he's going to have to contend with and also how, you know, what success is going to look like for him and, and also the steep learning curve he's going to have to um, sort of fast track in order to, if he wants to, you know, be a main game racer in, in mm. the NASCAR um, Cup, it's going to be probably a, a bit of a steeper uh, learning curve than what a lot of people might be thinking after his initial first race. Um, so off a face value, qualified eighth, you know, that's a pretty pretty decent job at a track mm. that he's never been to, had 20 minutes practice at. And then also all the other drivers and teams have been there before. Um, so in terms of where he qualified, I thought it was pretty on, on, on the, on the money. I wasn't it's pretty amazing when you think about it. He's never been there before. No, not and and he's driving a car that he's well, driven for one weekend, but on a track mm. that is so far different from the track that he had raced at. Um, and you know, he's, he's it's a he's still very well known to the to the other teams that had that had um, were racing there. And the other and also, I won't I won't mention this over and over again, but another important point is he's racing for a small team. You know, they're, 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 they're a team that is punching above their weight and doing a great job at it. They've got another driver who is in contention to make the NASCAR playoffs, but by no means are they a Hendrix Motorsport or Penske Motorsport kind of juggernaut team or Joe Gibbs Racing. You know, this is a team that, um, you know, is... He's battling hard to make it into the um, into the playoffs. Can you just explain? Because you know, for me, I'm a novice when it comes to this stuff. What are the NASCAR playoffs? So the NASCAR playoffs, if they haven't changed, which I don't believe they have, is there's about it's about 30, 30 something races in the NASCAR season, yeah. and the last ten race. Oh, so over the say, let's say there's thirty eight over the first thirty races. Um, the top 16 drivers in the championship up to that stage qualify for the playoffs. But if you win a race, you automatically qualify for the playoffs. So then how many different people win races um, pushes down the people uh, who are getting in by, you know, by consistency and points, which is, which is, which is a big, point that we're going to come up to and what we're going to discuss with where sort of Shane Van Gisberg, Van Gisbergen's future in the sport can, um, can, you know, can be a, important for uh, a small, you know, smaller or mid-sized teams. Um, mm-hmm. So this is, I think, one caveat that is really important when you're thinking about the results from this weekend as well with Brody and Shane. Like there's a menta- there's a mentality that they, them guys have to have. They're coming into a sport that is two races now removed from drivers entering the playoffs. And and you heard it over and over again in all of the interviews. I was saying, you know, we're here to, you know, have a good time, show what we can do. But by no means are we trying to, you know, cause you know, cause jeopardy to drivers who have been working this whole season 
uh, trying to you know make this playoff. You know, we don't, we don't want to wreck anybody. We don't want to compromise mm. anybody's races. Um, that also was a thing on on the Friday night race that he did uh, in the truck. That he was also the first race for their playoff, so he wasn't trying to jeopardize anyone in that as well. So the mindset when you're sort of wrestling with that idea can't be, I suppose, as aggressive as you probably would in normal circumstances. Does that explain the playoffs to you, a bit of a understanding? Yep. yep. And then yep. in the playoffs, there's 10 races after the first three races, you cut your grid from 16 to 12, the next three from 12 to eight, the next three, eight to four, and then there's a one race shootout for the top four cars with the whole grid being involved, but the, the top, whoever is the highest ranked car in the top four usually oh, will win the championship. And usually that car win, ends up winning the race as well. Um, so that's sort of how the NASCAR playoffs works for anyone who is not sure what we're talking about. Brody Kostecki, before we keep going about SVG, I thought had the better of the two races. Considering the circumstances, I think he showed a, he had a, he had a little bit more pace and was able to race through the cars a little bit easier than SVG was, albeit he was starting from the back and you would expect the better drivers to be at the part of the track where SVG was racing as well. So take take that how you will. But it was a very interesting race. There was one caution on the second lap, I think it was. So it was about 80 or 79 laps of clean running, which is something that does not happen very often in NASCAR racing. Um, right. Okay. So sort of the way the way teams are playing strategies, like you would you would think most of them would have expected a caution to come sometime, and then it was just it ended up getting to a point when when, when nothing where sort of nothing happened and the front the front battles were were not as interesting as I think they could have been because there was never a moment for the cars to sort of be bunched back up again. Um, and having said that. Uh, a small team won the race. Uh, second time race winner Michael McDowell uh, won the race, which is we'll, we'll, we'll get to that pretty soon as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was not the probably the best race for our for our drivers to sort of show what they can do when the grid gets bunched because it was never bunched after the initial start. Um, but I think one thing that has become very apparent over the last couple of weeks with Shane def- sort of making it known that he's going to NASCAR and also making it known that he doesn't think he's going to do a full season is to buy a charter, which is a license to race for a full season, costs about $20 million. Ooh. And then to fund a car for a whole season costs about $31 million. So we're looking at a big chunk of money. It will cost Huge. a team that doesn't have a charter to run for a full season, uh, especially like which say the, the the situation is he's in now with Trackhouse Racing. They're running that one. They've got one car that's chartered, and then they're running a one-off at selected races. The, so the amount of, of investment that would need to be ramped up for him to get on the grid full time next year, we're looking at about $50 million. That's a massive, that's a massive investment for any 
team, any sponsor, any sport. Yeah, especially like without saying it the most polite way possible for a for a rookie mm. who we know is definitely going to struggle at certain types of racetracks in his first season. That's a massive. That's a massive sort of build to cop, um, which sort of makes me think that we're not going to see him on a on a on a full uh, season uh, sort of pursuit next year. I think we're going to see him at selected races, the races that. Um, we well, the team thinks he can will perform the best out for them. Yeah, um, and then I think we'll see him in a few of the truck races and a few of the Xfinity uh, sort of like F two championship of NASCAR, like the the the, the second and third tiers. Probably learning mm-hmm. how to run in the pack, run different uh, oval configurations, and just get comfortable running in those oval configurations. That's something that. Like take it how you will. He's he's never done before. You know, running four wide in an oval is something that would be very foreign to you know anyone who with and he has got no dirt sprint um, experience. So it's something that he's going to have to, well, at least take a year to get comfortable with. Um, but I think the team he's. He's uh, been right. He's done these two races for, and the team he's going to do some select races for next year. Trackhouse racing seems to be a sort of a match made in heaven for him. It's a sort of a newer team. Um, mm-hmm. They're going to afford him the time to sort of learn. They're not, you know, the expectations for them aren't going and chasing championships. Uh, and Shane is going to need time to learn. And the thing that I think he can offer them is, what, hey, when we get to a select seven or eight, I think there's eight uh, sort of circuit races on the calendar of the 38. When we get to these races, I'll be sort of at my best. And if everything shakes out well, we might have a sniff at maybe winning one of these, two of these every year or being in the hunt. And I think you, really you, that's what he can offer. Do you think he's... I, I do, but do you think he's more of a, a sure thing than a rookie coming up from the feeder series? Sure thing in what way? Like that he'll perform and get wins eventually, more so than someone coming up through their own kind of I, feeder I series that they have for NASCAR? I think, it, I think it all depends on, A, what team he's with, and then, B, how quickly he's he adapts to the oval racing. Because mm. regardless, like someone who's driven ovals from – 14 now to 24 he's going to feel a lot more comfortable on 30 of the 30 30 of the 38 races of a season yeah um so in terms of upside over a young driver that's um probably not in the long run but at the same time for eight of those races they might feel like they have a much better chance of you know snagging a win and, yep. and, you know, a lot of the time a, a rookie driver doesn't really snag a win anyway. You know, they're very, very sort of, they're, they're, they're exceptions, obviously, and obviously they're talents, but mm-hmm. it's not a common thing. And especially, I think, for the team that he's going to be racing with, um, he's bringing, well, I think the whole, uh, I, um, I listen to the Dale Earnhardt podcast pretty um, consistently. And when I learned that he was coming on the podcast, I thought, wow, that's, you know, that's a interesting, not interesting. I was just surprised that he was being invited on after one win. Um, 
And I think Dale is probably one of the better minds in NASCAR at the moment. He thinks very open-mindedly. And he was saying a few interesting things on the podcast with Shane, but also the podcast before him sort of saying he laid out sort of the, the financial structure of what it costs to go racing and, you know, the, the amount of money that a team is going to have to bring to the table being a team owner mm. as well. And I think that sort of made it very clear that, yeah, it's not, he's, it's not like going supercars racing, which, you know, is sort of our backyard. And it's, it's just so much, there is so much more money involved and, you know, it's, oh, you need massively. such a bigger return on investment for your, um, your sponsors. It's going to be a, it's going to be an interesting year for him. And I think that's why he's going to have to sort of, grow slowly and well he can't grow slowly but he has to start slowly but pick events that you know his team think well you do this you'll learn certain skills and maybe in a year yeah. or two years you, you know you you have enough skills to you know go for a full charted season um but yeah i think that team is going to control the expectations and um control the learning curve for shane because what these two right well that what this race showed us is yeah he wasn't at the pointy pointy end but bring him to an oval with no practice uh, uh sorry a road course with no practice and he was consistently in the top third of the grid for the whole race yep sorry about that so you know i, I think there is definitely um there is definitely good reason for him to be there and with the right coaching and the right app and, and he's a freak, he's a freak driver. I don't think he's going to, um, I don't not think he's going to learn the skills it's going to take to go around the oval. And realistically, I think we had Marcus Ambrose goes a few, uh, go a few years, uh, a couple of decades ago now, but I, th I believe that the skill that <laughs> SVG shows is uh, the, the sort of the talent that SVG has is even higher than, what Ambrose had and also the car that uh, Shane's going to be driving is closer to what he's driven before. So I think there's a bit on both ends that are going to help him out in the long run. Okay. Um, but yeah, I think realistically what we saw this weekend was a validation that he's there and he, he's, he's not going to be out of his comfort zone pursuing this next year. And I, I, I think, think more if so than... Yeah, I think if there's one guy that um, I, I would put money on picking something up quickly and, and excelling in, it would be SVG. I think also what's been really cool is that, well, I can't speak about all Australian fans, but I think there's been a real crossover of people wanting to know, A, more about supercars from the States, like where has this guy come from? And also people in Australia sort of wanting to see a bit more where he's going and sort of being more interested in the NASCAR side of it. Um, which might be probably a more interesting thing in in a couple in coming years if um, sort of things shake out how they might. I think you I got was, some ideas about that. I was thinking about this the other day about how much SVG is getting on the news because of what he's doing over there. How much you know? There's articles on like websites they got that have nothing to do with motorsport. They're just you know news websites or whatever. And I'm thinking we currently have the IndyCar champion racing in America and we hear nothing. Like we hear about Daniel and Oscar, different story, Formula One, but we hear nothing about Will Power. We actually hear more about Scotty Mack, again, another New Zealander. 
why, why don't we get that kind of coverage for our own racer? I think the difference is, is that Will Power left very early mm. in his career and never made a name here. Um, like really, mm. uh, I know, yeah, for, I know people what you mean, to, yeah. for people to be interested in him when he went there, sort of very similar to even Scott Dixon is a Kiwi. Um, he's a yeah. multiple IndyCar champion as well. And I think that they, they lord him more than we lord Will Power. But mm. I think it's still very similar. Like that just the, they left so young that if you don't yeah. know, like, and thing is, well, IndyCar is such a, is, it's big, but it's not massive. Like even compared to NASCAR, like NASCAR dwarfs IndyCar so much in terms of popularity and, and, and fair Oh no, not here. I'm talking about in the states. Like, oh yeah, what yeah. What, it, what what it does here is is a drop in the ocean compared to the mm. mil, hundreds of millions of people in the states. Um, but it's sort of like big fish in small ponds, whereas NASCAR is a you know a yeah, yeah. big a big pond. Um, and and he's he's put the time in here for people to actually sort of have been invested in him. Um, you know, be fans of him for years and years see his talent and sort of um story grow and then now you know he's he he bookmarked him leaving very well as well by going and winning a debut race which is mm. has never been done before so sort of the, the stars have all aligned and i think like the like the thing that the biggest thing he's in a struggle with i believe is that he's gone and he set such a high benchmark that people like the good races there are going to take it personally. Are going to want to really put him in in his place um, mm-hmm. and sort of stamp their authority. So it's going to be it's going to be interesting twenty twenty four for Shane. I think I'm interested to see exactly how extensive his his um well his season is going to be, and also like what steps his team puts in place to give him the ability to learn and also show showcase his skill with the car. Um, but like, I don't, I don't think it's bad for anyone involved that you've got someone coming in, who's bringing you an audience from say Australia, New Zealand, and then also supercars are getting a little bit more, you know, talk time from the States as well, which is, mm. it, it can't be a bad thing for, for the sport. That's for sure. Especially now with the whole, Mustang Camaro championship that we've got going on. Like if it was ever going to be rele- relevant to people in the States, it's, you know, more so ever now. Do you, do you think our, our popularity would grow over there? Like I, I, I just don't, I, I don't see that happening. I don't think it, I don't, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't prioritize trying to grow our popularity there mm. more so than trying to just build the best product possible. And if that was then a byproduct was growing, was it growing overseas? And also, if we got it into a into a into a happy place where the parity was all fixed, and then having maybe a, a another you know demo race at Coda or something on a on a weekend with with NASCAR, mm. I can't see how that would be a bad thing. I think it would be an actually think that would be a great thing um, for like a two countries that actually have still got a passion for the V8 engine, you know, mm. you know, very sort of muscle car, you know, followings. 
to sort of have a weekend where, where you're sort of showing the two, you know, true championships left that have that in their DNA. Like that couldn't be a bad thing. But I wouldn't, I have, I wouldn't prioritize that, I suppose. I have seen like, you know, scrolling through social media, um, more like podcasts talking about supercars over there, like usual NASCAR podcasts discussing supercars because of SVG going over there. So I think I think we're super critical of supercars because it's in our backyard. Mm. And I'd say probably the same way that NASCAR fans have been super critical of NASCAR till very recently. Um, whereas when you're not as invested and you're just watching stuff happen, that seems interesting. You know, you think it's the best thing since sliced bread. Mm. Um and I think <laughs> realistically, like if if a if someone who didn't know what supercars was was watching some of the racing we've had this year, they probably would think it was the best thing since sliced bread. If they you know didn't know mm. the background stories and stuff like that, so I I would of all the ideas that have been floated in terms of where we can we take this supercars championship to try and grow its appeal and what crossover events can we do that would be the most appealing to me. And I think the one that would make the most sense for taking it to fans that have that, you know, that identity in their DNA Mm. um, and also taking it to one of the biggest motorsport markets in the world. Like let's not pretend like formula one is a, is a, is a easy first, Mm. but in terms of domestic championships, just from the sheer size of the country, NASCAR would have to be a clear second. All the southern states bloody love it. So, well, huge was, numbers. Don't they get? Don't they get more than the Super Bowl at some NASCAR events? At Daytona, Daytona, yeah, yeah, yeah they get hundred. I think they get a hundred thousand plus in that stadium. Yeah, like it's Probably a more. It's a big it's a, bowl. Of, yeah, you know of V eight craziness. Um, so yeah, I think this week. I think what this weekend has was sort of solidified is yet he's got the capability to go to some races and have the skill it's a you know it's a steep learning curve as well it's not going to be Mm. walking in there and schooling everyone every day on those certain tracks but i think it's the kind of challenge that he's sort of hungry for after doing everything possible here probably needs it to be honest because he's been dabbling in rally he's been dabbling in a lot of things so yeah Probably been coming for a while. Yeah. And then I think we'll just finish on the fact that, okay, why do we think he's on? He's definitely going. We know that. It's just (laughs) a formality now. And we have the interesting news that Will Brown has been released from his 2024 year of his Erebus contract. Um, It has not been confirmed that he'll be driving for Triple Eight next year, but I don't see any other drivers being released off their contract for next year at the same time. Mm. So putting two and two together, um, I think it's a pretty safe bet to say that he will be joining Triple Eight next year and partnering Brock Feeney. And I think that is a very safe but also calculated bet by Triple Eight Racing. You know, of the of the young guys, I think that are in the grid that they don't have, I would have said it that the two drivers would have been uh, Will himself or his teammate. Um, Brody, well, do you do you think it's a good move because Erebus have a really good card this year? Do you see Triple Eight 
progressing further over the next couple of years and that's why he's made the jump or yep there's just okay. there's just money involved like there's just mm. so much money that oh so, uh, more money that they can invest in in you know when the when the when you sort of when the the understanding of the basics becomes uniform mm. is one thing that always seems to push on more than everyone else and that's triple a racing because you know they put the best people in the best situations and that's not a knock against Erebus, but I just think, well, resource wise. Yeah. They just, they've just got the resources. They've got the know-how and they've been doing it at the top for so long. Why would you bet against it? Mm. Um, the one thing I do think though, is that it gives everybody other than AAA a better chance of snagging a driver's championship <laughs> because where I, where I think SVG and, um, Scotty Mack were probably two of the, you know, probably cream of the, like, like ahead above the rest in terms of the grid. What I think now is the grid by virtue of them two being removed becomes more competitive and off, um, off that, I think you're going to see drivers like Chaz and, um, and um, Cam. Cam, you know, be much more involved in a championship fight with the drivers that I think are not as um, far above them in terms of, I don't think that SVG is much further above Cam and Chaz, but he's always got a better car. He's always had a better car and then the skill involved as well where I, I just I haven't seen that that step and, and and Will's got Will Brown's got time to sort of take that step but as of yet I think is a really good driver but I wouldn't say he's going to go down as one of the all-time greats whereas SVG always looked like he just had you know another level to go to when he mm. needed to who do you think takes the leadership role at um triple eight Brock or Will I think that's going to be an interesting dilemma that the team is going to have. And I think don't, I think for the first year, I don't think either will, to be honest. I think it's going to be very much a team led by Jamie Wincup um, and, and Dutton. And I think it's just going to be whoever has a better initial season if they can keep that momentum. Like I, would, I wouldn't say that when Wincup and Lowndes were there, there was a, there was a distinct one to driver and then also when wind cup and svg were there i don't think there was mm. a distinct one to driver um but there was definitely like without you know words being spoken you know the, the optics that yeah by the time wind cup and Leons had run their course for the last couple of years it was definitely wind cup and then even in the first couple of years of wind cup and svg it was still wind cup mm. and then we saw that transition to svg so i just think it's going to be really whatever driver can seize the moment. And we might even see like a dynamic, like what we saw with Lowndes and Wincup, where Wincup would win the championships, but Lowndes would win Bathurst, mm. which is, you know, probably the best of both worlds for a team, really. Brock's doing quite well this year, so I don't imagine just, he'll want to... Uh... I just I just think he's still a bit young. Like to, to sort of take that, le- that, that, that yeah. leadership role in a team, he is still... Like very young. Um, yeah, been done before I, 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 though, I guess. But has it like has it been done 
that he's game. been in the team now for two years, so it'll be his third year. But like, I guess experience yeah, say, wise, say say Will Brown wins the championship this year and comes in as a their supercars champion. Oh well, that's a different story. Yeah, yeah, but that's like that's that is a very possible like a very possible thing that can happen. Mm. And um, I think being somewhere for two years isn't going to supersede someone who's coming in as a champion. I'm just. Uh, I think it's look, just going to be a very. Ex- I think it's going to be a very sort of interesting juggling act that Triple H is going to have to do for the first part of that year because they're both going to one up, going to going to want to one up each other, mm. and we've seen that happen before and not end well. Uh, in a few, you know, memorable situations. I'm I'm excited, not for SVG to go, but for maybe Ford to get their act together a little bit more and then we see more of a title fight between the top echelon drivers rather than this year's a bit of an anomaly where SVG hasn't run away, run away with it. But I think next year, like you said, if SV, if AAA get their act together, they would have run away with it. But I, without SVG in the seat, I don't know if they'd do as much. Well, so... Ford have looked bad without SVG looking good, like looking formidable, hmm. which I don't. I think that says more about Ford than SVG. Like I think as well, if if people are going to take solace from the fact that Ford are going to be better because SVG is not in a Camaro, <laughs> I mean they're already losing that war. Um, but yeah, I just I, want to I, see I'm, Chaz win a championship, mate. That's all I want. You and me both. Um, I'm excited for seeing I always love the idea of when one of our well I say that one of our but he's mm. a New Zealander someone from our part paddock goes abroad and I like seeing them you know do well but also seeing how they stack up against some of the best in the world you know we've seen it with you know Danny Rick um now Scott McLaughlin the IndyCar um but Oscar. a few of our G- GT drivers we've got Oscar and now SVG sort of going throwing his Hat in the ring as well. It's just Jack it just Dewan. makes it Jack doing. It just makes it more interesting to watch other motorsport because you've you've you have an investment. You have a you know a natural investment in it, and I love that. Yeah, hundred percent. Like I find myself watching F two. I have, a, I have when, a reason to watch NASCAR next year. Yeah, like I have a reason. Like I've always watched F two but I'm much more invested in it when we have someone like a Jack or an Oscar or whoever's racing in F2. Like you, yeah. you got someone to barrack for. So yeah, mate, I think we, we punch well above our weight considering the size of our country and how far away we are from Europe. Also, he's a New Zealander, so let's not pretend he isn't. All right. He's part of the world then. He's part of the world. <laughs> yeah. I think the, the, po- the population of Australia and New Zealand punch well above their weight and there's a few yeah. comments on that on the last video we did on youtube and i thought that was interesting of people bringing up you know stuff that you never really you just forget about you know the fact that mclaren was from new zealand yeah. and things like that it's just you know we do good we do well we do well yeah, like look back through history dan gurney he was a new zealander wasn't he yeah i think so F- i think so F- yeah brabham you know We've had Alan Jones. We've 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 done all right. Well, even when all is said and done, I think all the records in IndyCar history are gonna 
probably going to be uh, a lot of them are going to be owned by Australian and New Zealander between Will Power and and, and Scott Dixon. Scott Dixon, that's pretty I think, cool. I think Will Power's got the pole record already, and I think Scott yep. Dixon now has got the most consecutive races in a row, the most race wins, mm-hmm. most championships. So it's pretty cool. Taking the wall on. 100%. Yeah, 100%. I think we'll leave it there. Well, it, we, we we did try and find some things to discuss because of the whole uh, break in our, our main motorsports. So Formula One's not back until the 25th of August, I think. So we got one more weekend. Um, Supercars is back next week. Supercars back next week. Lovely. You know what else is back? Premier League. So good. <laughs> So, um, thanks for listening, guys. I was um, not expecting that at all. <laughs> when when this gets released, hopefully Man United get their first win of the season and smooth sailing moving forward. But uh, Joe, thanks for joining me, mate. Um, thanks for coming keep on. Keep liking, subscribing, um, watching those YouTube videos, commenting, all that sort of stuff. It's been awesome on YouTube lately, so keep it up. Thanks, guys. Thanks, mate. Have a good night. You too.